Leslie, and uh, good to see all of you here today. A little different change in weather in the last few days. I was enjoying the spring-like adventures. It reminds us a little bit more that we're maybe not through it yet. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to uh, the book of Romans. We continue on, uh, <clears throat> basically picking up in chapter 8 once again and what we've been uh, studying, a chapter that we would could certainly say uh, would re- could be captured by living in the Spirit. Uh, chapter 8 of Romans is, is literally giving uh, the due credit to the Holy Spirit, which literally um, has done so much for us and has given us power, which we'll be talking about uh, as again today. I think we'll read the same uh, uh, passage that we read last week. We'll begin in verse 1 of Romans chapter 8, and we'll read through verse 17. Verse 8 I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may, also, that we, that we may be also glorified together. And may God add a special blessing to the reading of his word. And let us just pause for prayer prior to our study this afternoon. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the promises and the fact that you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And within that, Father, the very promise that's laid out as we read in verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a sense of of just real victory for our future. Thank you, Father, for all the things that were accomplished through Jesus Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection. Today, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is acting on our behalf. We thank you for the spirit of which lives within every Christian. All of those that have trusted Christ as Savior at that second of acceptance, 
The Bible is clear to tell us that the Holy Spirit dwells within. Father, thank you for all that power that is available to us. And Father, today we would ask that as we unfold the Word and unpack it, that you would do it, Father, exclusively through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the opportunity to study the Holy Spirit in past weeks. And I think it's been eye-opening, Father, to see the impact of our world around us that the Spirit is completely controlling. Thank you, Father, now for these that have come out today. We would ask that you'd be with them and their families. Father, we pray for all of those that are not able to be here today as well. We think of those that may be sick, may be challenged in various ways. We ask that you would lift them up, Father, and surround them. We pray for our country as well and all of the things that are going on, the difficulties from one end of the spectrum to the other. But, Father, you are no less in control today than you were a week ago or 10 million years ago because you've always been God. You are. I am, as it was described. That's the God that we want to worship and lift up our, our, our hands, our worship and praise to you right now as we study your word to us, a love letter to those that Christ died for. Now, Father, protect your word as it goes out and again, teach us through the power of the Spirit. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> well, I'm trusting you're uh, all having a good day today. I am actually. Yeah, I really am. I was, it's good to be home. I got home about midnight uh, this morning, or however you want to say it, last night or this morning. And uh, it's good to be, to be back home. I was enjoying a little bit warmer temperatures earlier in the season. I was in Joplin, Missouri, as far east as and south as I got. But it was about 75 there and uh, didn't need much of a coat. But uh, anyway, I travel lots of miles and uh, always good to be home. Uh, one thing I would say, you know, I was thinking as I left, um, really a week ago, coming tomorrow morning at 1.30 in the morning, I took off for the airport, got home at midnight, and thinking about all of the things that transpired in that week in this nation is pretty crazy, isn't it? It's wild stuff, lots of things going on. And uh, actually, if fear could be turned into money, we could have paid the national debt off this, month, this week. Our, our nation is reeling under fear right now. It is, it is totally, totally under fear. And I'm glad to tell you today that if you're in Christ, there literally is nothing to fear. We need to remind ourselves of that in times like this because it's that that really gets us through. And it's allowing us to really reach out to those that don't know what it's like to live without fear. I mean, literally, you can just see fear in people's eyes. You can hear it in the news. You can hear it every round around you. But I want to just reinforce today, as we study Romans chapter 8, if you're in Christ, if you've trusted him as your Savior, then instantaneously, God himself, in the personality of the Holy Spirit, lives within you. And it is not a power problem. It's an application problem. <laughs> Power's there, need to just plug it in. Have you ever, what would be, what's the coolest, neatest little device or uh, appliance that you bought? I'm actually thinking of a chainsaw, right? It just popped in my mind. And that's not an appliance, I know. You guys are going to, you're going to, you're going to, but the, but the story goes like this, and I probably have shared it, but it actually could fit almost anything. And it's somewhat the same in our perception of the Holy Spirit. It's something that we just say name, and we have really no understanding 
of what you have in having the Holy Spirit in your life. Anyway, a gentleman went to a hardware store and his old chainsaw was worn out. Have you ever had one of those? <laughs> doesn't take long either anymore, does it? Yeah, we've got a couple of these that don't run very well. But anyway, this guy went in and this, uh, this salesman said, he said, oh, I've got just the chainsaw for you. This one has been tested. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable what it'll cut. And uh, I'm here to say, I actually have one, he said, and I'm, I'm, that's why I can really say it with a great deal of confidence that this is the chainsaw for you. If you want to cut wood, this one will cut wood. Well, he said, good. He said, that's just what I need. So he gave him, gave him the money and away he goes. And uh, happened then a couple of weeks later, um, they met each other on the street. And uh, the salesman said to, uh, to a customer, he said, well, how's, the, how's that new chainsaw? Oh, he said, it's, it's, uh, it's really not much different than the one I had. What? How can that possibly be? Well, he said, I, you know, I've used it, and it's just, it's, it's actually, it's about the same. Really? Well, he was just beside himself because he had seen the older chainsaw, and it just was a huge step up. So he said, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not picking this up. He says, well, is, what does it sound like when you're cutting? What do you mean, what does it sound like? Well, he said, when you, you know, when you pull the rope and you start the engine, what engine? That is exactly, in other words, he's cutting with a chainsaw, as you could just imagine. And it, as silly as that is, you know what? It's about the same way for us, the way we live with the Holy Spirit living within us, and we don't let the power rule. We don't plug him in. And that's what I'm hoping through chapter 8 of Romans, we'll be able to get some sense of that. Um, so we're going to do a little bit of review. We went through, uh, we're, we're basically back where I'd hoped to be last week in verses 12 and 13. But uh, let's review for a moment. Um, what do you guys remember from last week? The power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's good. That's a great place to be, actually, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, what are some things that we unfolded as such? What were what, what was some things that uh, we talked about? Anybody get, take any notes? Well, don't all speak at once. That's going to be problematic for us. Yeah, we're on the fourth thing. Thank you. Yeah, so let's, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to take this fourth one today. We're going to, I would like to come right to that because it kind of gets us there. And then I'm going to take it a little bit differently. We're going, to, we're going to work with that fourth one. And we're going to work from the top of what we really want to happen. But we're going to work it backwards to see where we really need to start. Okay? Have you ever, right? A lot of times if you put on where you want to start, it's so boring and you just want to get to the bottom. Have you ever had a book that you really want to get to the end of it and you read the last chapter? You missed all the stuff in between. Sometimes we're the same way. So what was number one? Excuse me? Emancipation. Emancipation proclamation. I said that last week. Um, one of the things that's amazing, and it actually ties into this as well, when that man with that chainsaw knew that that actually you could fire it up, run, and the chain turned by itself, and you could actually cut without having to go back and forth, that was a mind-blowing opportunity for him. It would be the same as those slaves we talked about last week in the year 1862 when President Lincoln at that time wrote the Emancipation Proclamation, and it literally freed those that had never known freedom. We have no way of understanding that, to know what freedom is without having never experienced it. 
And some of that's the same. Uh, we want it, that's what the whole thing is, is the position that we were placed into Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We were locked in. We were slaves to sin. This, this passage talks a lot about that. And, and sometimes we don't even know what it is to be free because we want to go right back to it. And, and, and you guys have all done that because I know, because uh, we all have. We do that. That's just, it, we just get sucked back into it. And yet we were broken free. Just as those slaves would have read that and they said, what does that really mean? That's really what I'm trying to get to today. The fact that we are freed and there's no condemnation. There's no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. We are free from death and sin. Number two we looked at was the fact once that literally you're freed from sin, then we're enabled or have the opportunity through the power to really obey God's laws. And see, that's a brand new concept because the flesh can only follow the flesh. You can only do what the flesh desires outside of being saved. Uh, number three, would well, you remember, you guys remember, remember this is a real important one. Number three, changes our nature. Exactly. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the transformation that changes you from the inside that no one else can do, you can't even do. I was going to save this for later, but I think, I'm just trying to figure out if this will work in. It was actually something that happened to me yesterday. I was, uh, I was, I, I guess I'll just share it because the trans, uh, it was a little bit later I was going to do that, so. But will I forget? Let me think on that while I'm thinking about that. To change our nature, to transform. You can tell I'm going to wait for it a little bit later, don't you? Okay. Well, anyway, don't let me forget this, though. There was the, I was sitting at the, at the last gas station to fill your, your have you, you've been to that one? That's the one that costs the most within a four-state region, that one. No, it wasn't too bad, actually. I want you to remind, just say gas station, because I was on the phone with somebody, and that'll spark what we need. I think we need to do it a little bit later. It'll reinforce it a bit better. So, and then number four, the one we come to today, is the fact of empowering us, or the key, I'm going to say it this way, the key to spiritual victory. The key to spiritual victory. I'm going to try to take some notes, uh, and, and hopefully, because it's going to be sort of a flow chart is what it's going to hopefully be today. Key to spiritual victory. Now, that all sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, you're ready to sign up. This sounds like a class. If we could get this one, it is game on. Let's go, right? Because so, you all need spiritual victories, right? Boy, you're an energetic bunch out there today. We'll, but I'm just going to assume that that's right. So one of the things we first of all have to say, well, what, what is going to be the power to that? How do we get, uh, how do we get spiritual victory? Well, let's go and take your Bibles now, and we're, we're diving forward. We've, as you've noticed, we're just, we're just dealing right with verses 12 and 13 particular today. We're leaving the review uh, from the last couple of weeks to kind of fend for themselves. And as we dial into where we're at, let's read verses 12 and 13 again. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall... Did you see what I left out? Did you watch? Did, let, me, let me try one more time. This time, follow along and... and you, you, okay, let's try it again, though, because I really want to emphasize this, because if I, if I read it this way, this is exactly the way we live, usually. Okay, here we go. Verse 12. Watch now. You're going to correct me. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. 
how many times do we try to mortify without the Spirit? Do you know why you're, why you're not successful? Because you're not using the Spirit that dwells within you. If you're not using the Spirit that dwells within you, I will tell you how effective you will be in mortifying or putting to death self, which really, that's what we're trying to do here. Remember last week we talked about, I'm, I'll try to keep this, this outline together, but I'm going to scribble on the board as we go along. Remember last week what we talked about? This was kind of the overarching message. Kill sin. Sounds wild, doesn't it? Uh, what killed Jesus? Sin. My sin killed Jesus. And with the Holy Spirit that comes to live and dwell and gives power to me after I trust Christ, of which my sin killed him, now I have the power to kill sin. And that's the goal. That's the spirit. In fact, spiritual victory, that sounds so great. Well, what, is, what, do, you, what do you have victory over? Sin. And there's something else that dies with that. Self. You guys got right there. I was going to wait with that one too, but you know what? When you really have spiritual victory, I'm going to tell you what happens. Not only do you kill sin, but you kill self. And no successful Christian that really is doing God's will can be anything less than to have a dead self. Whoa. <laughs> but think of it now. Just think of the antithesis of that. What is the thing that the world continues to preach and push to the all time? I mean, it's all the time. It's always in front of us, always in front of us. Look out for number one. How to be the best at what, of who you are. How to get everything that you deserve. Entitlements, 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 pump up, pump up, pride, all of these things, guess what? That is the antithesis of spiritual victory. So we gotta get we gotta be thinking about it right. Okay, so we're here to kill sin, literally kill self. You say that's a little harsh. Well, that's okay, just stay with me. We'll keep working. Now, <clears throat> it's obvious from which is what I left out, and I actually have that underlined in my Bible. You don't, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. But see, the whole verses 12 and 13, when I underline through the Spirit, what it does is that is the key to the whole passage. Because if you leave that out. There's no power. There's no power. So through the Spirit, one of the things then what we'd have to say is that the key to the spiritual victory really is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Correct? Okay, now what I'm doing today, I'm taking special care. Now, those that are listening, just listening to my voice, you can't see this board, but there's some in this room that take issue with me that I have a tendency to kind of write from... I go from right to, or left to right, obviously, but I kind of slope downhill. So, Larry, I'm doing it for you. I'm trying to be as straight as I can today, okay? So, you correct me. You, have, you can tell me when I'm being crooked, okay? So, you say, okay, that's great. That sounds awesome. I'm all over that. Power of the Spirit. Yep. Anything, anybody got any problem with what we said so far? No. No, it's, that's cool. That is really cool. Boy, I'm, I'm on it. Amen. Let's go home and take care of that. Huh. Must be something we're not getting because uh, I don't remember having a lot of spiritual victory. And yeah, the Holy Spirit's the deal. I mean, He's the power. So what? What? What does? What? Is, what does that mean? How does this work? Um, what? How do we? How do we? How do we plug it in? Acceptance. Yeah, you have to. That is. That is really key. Acceptance. And that starts and opens a whole other door. Now we're going to have to go outside and see what that's all about. How do we plug in the Holy Spirit? How do we start that chainsaw so we can actually go out and get some wood cut? 
How many of you would like to take a chainsaw, knowing that the power is there, you have gas, you put oil in it, the chain actually works, but you don't know how to start it? I don't want to cut wood, right? Right? I mean, it sounds terrible. And it's, well, that's so, it is exa- it's probably the closest thing. It just popped in my head when we started today. That is probably one of the most, the best analogies because it's so ridiculous. We have in our hands everything we need to get it done, and we don't know how to start it. So wouldn't you say right now, how many of you have as much power of the Holy Spirit as you want right now? Now, just to know, not one person raised their hand. Now, this is the really cool part. You don't need any more power. The power is all there. He didn't give you a downgraded kit. He didn't give you half. It's all there. That's right. we got to plug it in. So how do we do that? How do we appropriate or how do we apply the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, we've went to verses numbers of times, but this literally is where we need to start. How do we plug it in? Hold your place here in Romans, and we'll go back to um, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. This is one that we've used in our study in in talking about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, because this is literally how we unleash the power or to plug the power in, depending on which way you look at it, of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 of chapter 5, and this is, at this point, should be a very familiar verse to you. It says, and be not drunk with wine. In other words, controlled by wine, where is an excess. In other words, you don't even have control of yourself, but be filled or controlled with the Spirit. So let's write that down. So now we have the key to spiritual victory literally comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, one other thing we should say right now. Let's stop. And don't, I mean, we'll, we'll hold this through. Uh, who has access to the power of the Holy Spirit? This is, this is really a big deal. He names it in the verses back in Romans chapter 8. Who has access? Not everybody on the planet has access to the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's only two people living on the planet. They're the saints and the ain'ts. And last week we saw the difference was between a saint and an ain't is an S, which stands for the Spirit, which isn't in those that are non-Christians. So he says, in fact, did you see this? Watch this. In verse 12, let's go oh, back to Romans. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Just flip back there. It says, therefore, brethren, brethren. He's talking to those that are brothers in Christ, those that are believers in Jesus Christ. So first of all, this power is available only to those that have trusted Christ. I want to make sure of that. If you're here today and you have not trusted Christ, if you can hear my voice and you have not trusted Christ, then this, the rest of this, you have to stop and you have to go back to step one and you have to say, Lord God, I'm a sinner. And there's nothing I can do about it by myself. I need to be saved. I confess of these sins. There's nothing I can do. And I accept Jesus Christ who paid the price. He took my sin and was nailed to a cross with it and was dead and buried, and then God said, that's good enough. I'm going to resurrect Jesus Christ from the dead, proving that once and for all, for all eternity, that sin's power is canceled. And that's the Jesus I want to accept. I want to accept that Jesus on his terms, not mine. I'm not doing this so I can be happy, wealthy, and forever just feel good about myself. No, I'm doing it because I need a Savior. And when you do that, when you trust Christ that way, boom, now the power of the Holy Spirit is yours. So now let's go on, okay? I was rather quickly, but really, literally, it's that simple. 
You must trust Christ to have the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I lost track of Rosette a little bit. Oh, yeah. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Larry, how am I doing? Am I, is I holding it pretty straight? Not too bad. He's, he's not giving me a good nod. He's just, he's, he's just he's putting up with me. Okay. So, has anybody got a problem with that? No. How many are filled with the Holy Spirit as much as you want to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Not a, a hand does not go up. You see, we're talking in almost vague terms yet, aren't we? Nobody's got a problem with it because nobody's hands goes up. But at the same time, it's like, ah. And I didn't do very good with. There's, a, there's, there's some things here that aren't very good. No, Larry. Let me just make my print this just a little bit better. There we go. Okay. So key to spiritual victory is the fact we're utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way we access or we plug in the power of the Holy Spirit is we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell me what filled means. Yeah. Okay. You know, that, that's the way the intention was of how Paul wrote this. It means this. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. In other words, you don't ever stop be being filled. And I intend to the words just the way they are. It's, it's not like wait till your tank. Like <laughs> I got nervous one time this week. I was driving with a rental car. And you know the worst thing about a, what, about a vehicle that you don't know? How far down does it go until it's empty, right? <laughs> I like the half mark. See, I like to be there. And this time, though, it was... And, you know, and then I'm looking at the map, and I was somewhere in Nebraska. It was a long ways away. So, you know what I wanted to do then? I thought, well, maybe I should go back. But not me. No, I'll never retreat because I'd never want to go back on miles that I've already traveled. So I took the chance, and I made it. Okay? And it's not like that at all. You're never, ever wanting to be any other than full at all times. Oh, well, how in the world would we do that? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Uh, the other thing we would think of being uh, filled, I, I want to use another word here. I'm going to just put it in parentheses besides our outline, and that would be controlled. Controlled. It's the same as being filled. Then you think about alcohol. You think of that example that he uses, the analogy. Do not be drunk with wine. What happens when someone is drunk with alcohol? What happens to that person? They really, in fact, they really don't even know what they're, in some cases, don't know what they're saying. They don't know what they're doing. They don't even know where they're at. That's being controlled by an outside substance in this case. What he's saying in the opposite of that is, I want you to be controlled or filled with and controlled all the time. Do you see how much difference that makes now? Not just filling your tank. It's being 100% controlled by the Spirit at all times. And you say, that's That's hard. And it is. And, you know, Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 7. We spent a lot of time there. That's a passage when you feel a little bit down and you just say, man, I am a loser, right? I just can't get this. You read chapter 7 of Romans and you watch Paul the apostle, the king of kings in the sense of apostles, and he leveled with us and was so brutally honest. And he said, you know what? This is, this is the apostle. This isn't Larry on a Monday morning. Or a Tuesday or a Friday, whatever, right? It ends in a Y. No, no, this is Paul the Apostle. You know what? I can't do what I want to do. And what I don't want to do, that I do. 
And there's whole chapter 7 about that. If that isn't great for me, just, just struggling through life, to know that that is something that was going on, one of the greatest men that ever walked the face of the earth because of who Jesus Christ was in his life, to just be human, to just be honest, to just be real, that's really cool. That helps me. So it's not perfect, but the goal here, and you know what? You'll have more spiritual victory when you unleash more power of the Holy Spirit. And you're never going to run out of power. I want you to make sure. There's not a sin. There is not a victory of which you should be ever defeated because the power of the Holy Spirit is enough to conquer anything in your life. And that was intended to be fairly loud because it's true. You think of that one area maybe in your life, in my case I'm thinking of 10 or 12 of them, that you just can't seem to get... Right? I'm going to tell you, you don't ever run short of the power of the Holy Spirit. What you run short of is remembering to be controlled or plugging in the plug. That's the problem. And that's why our spiritual victories sometimes are absent. You see how I'm working this backwards? Everybody wants to be here, but how do we do it? Now, you're still saying, well, how do we, you know, wait, 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 Larry. No, okay, that sounds so cool. But you know what it's... There's sometimes I'm not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. There's sometimes I'm not being filled. There's sometimes I don't even really think about being filled. I don't even really care about it. What's wrong with me? I'm glad you asked. And it's not you. It's me just as well. So how do we become controlled by the Holy Spirit? Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time in that chapter as well. You're in year 8. Turn back to chapter 6. And let's look at verses 13 and 14 of chapter 6 of Romans. Actually, I wonder if we should start. Do you mind? Let's just, let's just, let's just start in, in chapter 6, verse 1. Okay? Now, I want to actually go back one more verse. This is one, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 21. This is an absolutely awesome verse. He ends chapter 5 with this. And again, in, in, the, in the actual, in the, the, the scriptures are not made up of chapters and verses. But in this case, just for our convenience, this is where we end in verse 21 of chapter 5. It says this, that as sin hath reigned unto death. That's literally, if you follow sin to its ultimate, its nirvana is literally death. Even so, might grace reign through righteousness Unto eternal life, how? By Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's laying out grace, and he's laying out sin. Now, verse 1, chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Shall we keep sinning so that we have more grace? That sounds like a great plan. In fact, I know some people that really think that way. I'm a big sinner, so but if there's more grace than sin, then why don't I just keep sinning so I have more grace to take over from this? Right? And Paul, he lays that right out. He asks a good question. He says in verse 2, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin. Do you see that? Dead sin live any longer therein. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. You see, sometimes, you know, and I, and I like this. I mean, this is, this is who I like to be. I like to see as being raised with Jesus Christ, being resurrected with Jesus Christ to one day be eternal. That, that's very true, and that's the ultimate. But you know what? Here's the other thing that's really important. It was the Holy Spirit and the power of him also to literally die with Jesus to sin. See, you got to kill sin. You don't want to drag it along with you. It's almost like, well, I'm not a murderer, but I like to look like one. That's weird, right? But if we act like we're slaves to sin, aren't we doing the same thing? Let's keep reading. 
Let's keep reading. Verse, uh, where was I at? Verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. Oh, I love that. We're no longer locked up by sin. For if we had been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, now let's watch now. This is, where, this is the passage I wanted to dial into. Watch carefully. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves, in other words, consider yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that's a mindset. That's a mindset. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Verse 13. Neither yield you, your members, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Within that passage of Scripture lays out for us very clearly and concisely how we literally are filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. How is it? We yield to the Holy Spirit. Okay, and you say, okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's good. So how many of you feel that you have yielded as much as you'd like to to the Holy Spirit? Again, not a hand goes up. <laughs> and you say, There's, that's, that's all true, but I still, it's just like, ah, that's Okay. That's okay. How do we yield? What are the keys to yielding? Boy, it's quiet in here. I'm going to suggest two things. And you have to come back next week. <laughs> that would have been a nice place to stop. But I, I could see it. I'm going to have to keep that in mind. That would be a really great place to just stop. Yeah. If you want to get shot, right? <laughs> I heard somebody say the other day, they was, uh, you know, the real key to a Bible teacher is being able to, uh, to kind of use the Bible and jerk you back into reality. Like jerked back into reality. And this guy says, and I'm that jerk. <laughs> and you guys are calling me a jerk probably too. At any rate, at any rate. I want you to think your way through this for a moment. What do you think is, what are, what are some key ways? What are some things that would help you to yield? Now, talk to me about the word yield. What does yield mean? Now, if you're in Butte and there's a yellow light, it means go faster. Don't stop now, right? Have you lived in towns like that? Red light means should have went faster quicker, right? So what, is, what, does, what does the yield mean? What does yield mean? What does yield mean to you? In, especially in context what we're talking about. 
giving yourself over. Somebody said to submit. That's pretty good. Those things really tie together. Now, how do, you, how do you see yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life? You see, this is the problem. This is the sense of where Paul was running into trouble in Romans chapter 7. Because the flesh, the humanness of us, doesn't like yielding. In fact, uh, I, I don't, well, we'll get it to it a little bit later. The thing that's really in your way right now, this is, and this becomes more evident all the time, what keeps you from yielding to the Holy Spirit is that arch enemy that lives with you. The flesh. The self. It just continues once more and more all the time. Show me someone that doesn't know Christ personally. They don't even know how much they want to please themselves. It becomes all about them. All about me. Can't stop it even. But again, it's step two here, being with the power of the Holy Spirit. Once you've trusted Christ as Savior, now you have the ability to do the right thing. Now, it's still a choice. It's still a choice. But if you're not a Christian, you couldn't stop other than maybe just the gang or the peer pressure that you have around you. As a group, they say, you know, we're just not going to do that. It doesn't mean that every non-Christian does, does, does anything other than bad. That's not the point. Nor does it make a Christian that he does everything right. Of course not. It's the choices we make along the line. Yielding is a choice. For instance, it's like in a, in a speed limit. or a, I did find out what the penalties are for speed limits in Colorado. Yeah, oh, bummer, right? And you know, it was interesting there, too. It was interesting. There again, I, I'm, I'm this kind of guy, and I think it fits in right here. That's probably why I just thought of it right now. It's amazing when we're just cruising through life, okay? And I was talking on my phone. I got my headset, which is on a lot, and I take a lot of phone calls. And I was talking to someone, and it was about a subject of which uh, I don't even remember, but, you know, it was, I was engaged. I was passionate, and it was in a passionate conversation. And what happens then is when my passion is really going full force, the right foot has a tendency of going it's heavier. It becomes the heavy part of my body. And you say, well, why didn't you put on cruise control? That's a very good point. <laughs> I didn't. Right? Do you see what I wasn't doing? I, now, if you asked me that, if you were going to ask me, Larry, what happens when you're really, really passionate, you're on the phone, and you're just driving, just driving? What happens to you? I tend to drive faster. I know that. So why wouldn't have I put it on cruise control? Now, I could come up with an excuse and say, well, when I was in Ogallala early in the morning, they told me on the side, on the, uh, because it was super icy and there was things not working right, they said, take the cruise control off. So I had followed directions. <laughs> That's what I was going to tell the, 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 the officer, but I didn't, didn't, didn't do that. Didn't do that. But do you see where I'm going? See, sometimes we get so engaged in just living life that sometimes we just live it just the way we are, the way our bent is. Have you ever heard of that? What's your bent? What does that mean? Your direction. Your normal direction, your, almost your habitual direction, your bent. Are, and this, this changes dramatically. Again, if you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, one of the ways that you can tell in your own life that you are saved, that you are a Christian, is what direction do you want to go now? Because if you still want to go the way of the flesh, I mean, this is where you're choosing and wanting to go. This is a desire for you. And you probably haven't trusted Christ. But if your direction, and this is not perfection, I'm not trying to say that, but if you're bent or your direction is doing and going towards God and towards righteousness, this is where you want to go. This is what I want to do. And yes, I know there are times you don't do that. 
But if that's your direction, that's really good news. That means that you've been changed from the inside, that transformation. Okay? Something's changed. That means that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. Now, what I should have done in regards to this little adventure in Colorado, oh, by the way, it was an open stretch of road. There was nobody around, and it just seems so obvious we should just drive faster. But that's not the way it works, is it? No, that's not the way it works. What I should have done was poked in the cruise control at 7 over. No, no, that's the, right? You guys are laughing because you're thinking the same thing as me. What can I get away with, right? You just plug it in. And now what it's done is it's actually set you up so that you're working from a position that is safer for you knowing how your bent is or your natural uh, occurring, how you, how you work. And some of you may be different. If it's real passionate, you may slow down. Some of you are thinking this is a weird analogy anyway. But it's amazing how in life, when you're in certain situations, you know from past experience, this is a place. In fact, I spoke with another guy. Um, he was, uh, how do I want to go? A good friend of mine now, um, great Christian brother. And early in his career, he was in a very high level corporately. I mean, was off to the stars, gone a lot from the family. And even though he was making a lot of money and going as, as big and bold as you could be, he was unhappy because he still didn't have what he wanted. And I'll tell you today, if you're seeking, if you're searching for money as being your goal in the sense of bringing happiness, you will be sorely, sorely disappointed. In fact, and this man became a closet drinker. He said, I could drink a half of a fifth, just go in after my wife went to bed, and I would go to the garage, and I'd pull that book away, and there it was, and I, would, and, and I, I was drunk most of the night, and I did it night after night after night after night after night. Now, for him today, he says, there's places I can't go, even though he says, I haven't had a drink, and I don't remember how long it was, but God has delivered him. He got saved, and God transformed him from the inside. And that doesn't happen with everyone either. I'm not, that, you see what I'm saying? It's different for different people. But for him, he said, Larry, I have to be careful where I'm at because I don't want to risk. And he didn't use the word yield, but I will. That's why the scripture said in, in Romans chapter 6, don't yield your members to unrighteousness. Yield your members to righteousness. It's a choice. And it's a thinking ahead kind of a choice. And there's so many people just floating through life, running without the cruise control, like, like Larry through Colorado, right? Yielding is submitting. Choosing. What would be the best thing we could choose or to submit to in the Holy Spirit? What, what could we do? Is there a button to push? Oh, I'm, I'm kind of a... You know me pretty well. I'm pretty kind of that analytical guy, and I'm looking at a... Okay, let's see. I've got to fix this. Guys are like that, right? Guys are fixers. Jeff, are you a fixer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. And I'm, always, I'm looking for the button. And you know what? You get in a jam sometimes, and there's been jams in my life in the last five, six, seven, eight years. There's no button for it. There's no button. There's no fixing it. You know how happy that makes a control freak? <laughs> Not happy. Not at all happy. There's no button. And I'll spend a lot of time looking. It must be down here somewhere, right? I mean, it must be underneath, right? You're looking for the button. 
What's the best thing we can do to literally just turn it over? That's another word I just, just came out right now. Yield, turning it over to the Holy Spirit. Turn it over. Now, again, I'm not talking about let go and let God. That's a popular thing for somebody that doesn't want to do anything. It would be almost like if you think about victory. Let's talk about that for a second. If you say, when you know you can be victorious, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's just let go and let God. We're victorious. We're not going to do a thing. Have you ever seen anybody win the Super Bowl or an NBA championship or any other high-level professional sports that never practiced, that never showed up? Oh, we don't need a gym. We'll just show up the championship game. We'll just win because we're victorious in Jesus. No way, right? It takes work. It takes plans. It takes dedication. All of those things that make a sports team successful, those same concepts are vital in us in the war, I said war, that we're running in life. You got to show up. You got to be prepared. You got to punch in and get her done. So how do we turn it over to the Holy Spirit? What would be, let's start now. Now I'm asking, now I want to know. What, do you, what would you guys do? What would you guys do? Now, again, this isn't, let's, let's think about not just Sunday afternoon with Larry at church and we're together and it all feels good and everybody's, you know, there's nothing going wrong. I want to think of, what, a, what a, like a Wednesday afternoon? Things are falling apart? Prayer. Prayer. Let's talk about prayer for a second. How do we pray? What do we pray about? How do we, how do we get this thing going? God, get me out of this jam. Why are you doing this to me? Ooh, I put you, it, it looks, it looks, what are you doing, Larry? What are you doing right now? Praise. Why? Why do we, why do we start with that? And in fact, I might even, I might even, and I agree with Jerry, but I'm even going to take one more step back, just one more step back, because it starts to set me up as a good reason that I'm here, God, to talk to you. I got, and the reason sometimes it does bring me there is some wreck, some train wreck thing that just blew up, and I, I don't know how to fix it. I want to talk to you. Now, that's really good. That is good, good, good. As opposed to you going and getting stewing up and getting all upset and being mad, and then you forgot all about God altogether until six hours later. And I just made that up. doesn't matter. Six hours, six minutes, whatever it is. The first, if, if the first person in your mind is to go to God, I don't even care if it's for the wrong reason. That's where you want to be. But the best way to set it up, because what he wants you to do now is to get his will and your will together. That's what prayer does. See, mine's usually about down here, and God's is way up there. It's really heavenly, right? And mine's pretty earthly. And so what I, the more I pray, you can't really watch this over the tape, but see, it just gets a little... My, God's, by the way, God's will does not change. Be careful about that. God's will does not change. So prayer for me is locking my will unto his. And guess what? Things start to connect then. The dots are starting to connect. I can now release and say, you know, God, I have no idea why this happened, but I'm here to say, according to the scripture in Romans chapter 8, which is further down the chapter, all things work together for the good to those that love God. I, I, you're, you're at a higher level. Your wisdom is be my, on my comprehension. I'm willing to say, I want to be in your hands. I want to trust you right now. And all I want for you to tell me or to reveal to me is, what do you want me to do right now? 
That's yielding to the Holy Spirit, and you've done it through prayer. And as I said, now let's walk through that a little bit. Once you're in prayer to God, and you might just pour out this great big request, the best place to start is to thank God for who He is. Thank Him for the fact that, God, I'm so glad that you let me talk to you. Thank you, God, so much that you are more powerful than anything or anyone or anywhere else ever anything that I can possibly comprehend, and you are listening to me. That's pretty grand. And then you just keep working through that. Prayer. Prayer is awesome. Prayer gets, our, gets us all aligned with God. What else would you do? You know, the other thing that's really good, I, I mentioned this to... Uh, a guy, yes, remember that deal I was talking to you? I don't know if it's quite ready. We're getting close, though. Remember that guy I was parking in that gas station? Remember that one? You forgot. Maybe I should tell it then. Because it deals with the sense of transformation. And sometimes victory, have you ever gotten to the point you say, you know what, Larry, this is all. This is, this is, it's just so not real. I mean, when's the last time you've had a spiritual victory? When's one that you really said, you know what, God really did something there? And you say, there's not enough of those. I want to share with you. This, this, this actually happened yesterday. And as a new believer, that's when I had the opportunity to lead, lead to the Lord. And he'd called me the night before. I'm in a motel, and I'd fallen asleep. And the phone rang. And it was probably, I don't know, midnight or something. And I, I listened. And I, you know, have you ever been like, you shouldn't say much. You should probably just listen. Because I was out of it, right? And so I just listened. And I'd say, uh-huh, once in a while. Because <laughs> he, was, he was going. He was, he had a lot of stuff that was bugging him, big time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. It was almost like that, in a good way. I, I, mean, I was listening, but I, I didn't have anything. Have you ever had that? You have nothing? And you know what? That night was just right to just, he needed to talk to someone. And the next day, yesterday, as I'm, I'm thinking about, you know what? I really should have prayed with him. There's a whole lot of things. And he's one that, he's a guy that I should have done a lot more to help him foundationally as he's walking brand new in Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I got saved when I was six. I'm 58, 52 years, and I'm, I'm sad to say that I haven't done that very well. This getting spiritual victories at all. 52 years of knowing Jesus Christ, and I still feel like I am not there. And it isn't, it isn't the power of the Holy Spirit's problem. It's me. It's me. Well, anyway, so I'm thinking, i got to call him back sometime. Lord God, and I'm driving. And, you know, now my attitude kind of went to pot just a bit. As I, it was yesterday I got that ticket, right? Uh, riff em, raff em, sniff em, raff em, riff em, raff em, right? Have you ever, riff em, raff em. And by, <laughs> but whatever. So I'm going along, and then I had uh, I'd called Landon, and I said, could we meet somewhere? Because I've got a little bit of time. And uh, so I'd set that up. And I said, I'm going to take the rental car back. And, uh, then, and so I called him late because I was on the phone, and he said, oh, I better get moving. I said, okay. So guess what? Guess, guess how this works out. How many of you love to wait around? Just wait around. No, nobody likes to just wait around? Okay, that's usually me too. But I, so I fill up with gas and I clean out the car and uh, whatever else. You know, I'm, I'm kind of ready to go back to the rental. But I'm thinking, why would I want to just sit in the rental car office or whatever, right? So I'm just going to sit in the car. I'll call Len and see where he's at. Hey, Dad, just left home. I'm an hour out. Oh, good. I think I'd probably just, oh, that's great. And it was. It was okay. But you know who came to my mind? Boom, just like that. Sitting in the car in the parking lot. Thought of this guy. And I called him up. Didn't answer. I thought, oh, 
he called me back. Anyway, I can't, I can't tell you all of it, but basically, I, I basically started this way. I said, there's some things that God has placed on my, on my mind that I think would help you as you, he's in a situation with an employer, and it's difficult, it's tenuous, but it's something that I, I just felt, this is, this is the pathway you need to go. And he's listening, he said, that's good, that's good, that's good. I said, the other thing I want to tell you is the fact that I feel remiss. I have not been supportive enough to you as a new believer. I have not done things that I really should have done. And he said, stop, I don't want to hear any more about that. Because you've done way more than you can even imagine. And so he relays a situation of where there was a, a fellow employee that, and again, I can't tell all the details, but nonetheless, it was a situation that was very escalated. That this other guy was yelling and screaming at him for an extended period of time. And if you knew this guy that I'm talking about, that would have ended because he would have started throwing fists around the corner. That, that's just, he, he would have got it on. And he said, I, want to just, I just want to tell you something. That I was able to say, hey, it's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. You just have a great day. And he turned around and left. If you would know what that means, you would say, there are miracles. And he said, Larry, that's what happened. I know that God is working. I know that he's transforming me. Now that's cool. That's God working from the inside. And who do you think that was, to that power of the Holy Spirit? And this, this young man, this man does not know all of the stuff. Doctrinally, he does. But you know what? God is working. And when he yields, when he gives control, when he lets, uh, turns it over, guess what? God is right there. That was, that was such a huge deal to me. It just, oh, thanks for sharing that. And you know what? It's just like us here today. We're going to have another bad day. <laughs> There's going to be those times where you blow up and you say, why did I do that? But you know what? The fact that Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning in your life, that's not a direction you want to be. You're not proud of that. We're gonna, don't let me forget today, we've got to close with Philippians chapter 3 because that's really where I want you guys to be in your mind. Don't go there, but just, just that's where we want to end today is in Philippians chapter 3. That's when you know things are working. And as, when you can yield as much as you're able or where God leads you, you will have tremendous transformations in your life. Not any, and he said, Larry, there's no way that could be me. There is no way. And I said, I know. I know you. <laughs> right? And what, but what he wanted to do was he wanted to give me the credit. I said, no, 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 no. It's not me. The spirit that lives within you. Anyway, let's keep moving. So, you guys said pray. What else do you want to do? How are you going to yield? How are you going to turn it over to God? Why did the. Oh, go ahead. Recognizing that yielding our obedience or yielding Him, the consequences of that is good. It is good. It really is. When we yield, and that, and sometimes, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm not we, we question if that's good or not. You know, we, Every time, yeah, 100%. Now, why is it, why don't we do it 100% of the time? Because we're in a war. I mean, let's just, let's just lay it out there. Let's be real. That flesh is just banging on us all the time, banging on us all the time. There's always another, there's some, some other way to go. So how do we counsel, how do we get, how do we get in cruise control? I'm, I'm going to use, I'm going to come back to that. How do you get in cruise control? See, if I would have just been locked into 75, 
It didn't matter what the phone call was, right? I'd have been okay. You see, I'm moving around in my day yesterday, but see, I was okay. so how do, you, how do you get your life in cruise control so that you're not vacillating around? Trust in his truth, and that is absolutely right, by saturating your mind with the scripture. Continually saturate and memorize. Memorization, the older you get, the harder it is, isn't it? It's tough. It's tough. But you know what? doesn't matter. Just keep reading it. Find those passages of scriptures that really lay out to you and they speak to you. Memorize it. Because that's what keeps you level. That's what takes that flare, that up and down, those swings, because the scripture is what really levels you out and allows you to yield or to turn it over to the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how those verses will come to you right when you need them. In fact, I want to share this verse with you. It just came to my mind. See, it's, it's, see and it's, it's just, just like I said, now here it is. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. We'll start in verse 12. This is, it ties in, it really puts it together. Wherefore, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. In other words, you think that you're okay, that you're strong? Uh, that's pride. Watch out. Verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That's, that's a promise. Now, that's not a promise that you're going to take it. A lot of times, have you noticed in your past, a temptation comes and you succumb to it. And it's amazing after the fact, ooh, there was the escape. There was the one that God just said, right there it is. And most of the time, if you saturate your mind with the scripture, there will be a scripture that comes to you exactly when you need it. Meditate, saturate, ruminate, whatever word you want to use, getting into the Word of God. And doing it habitually, not once in a while, habitually. Make it a habit. Get yourself, and again, this, this takes work, this takes action. In fact, a lot of times, it's not so much that you come here and you need more information. Well, I just need to learn more about whatever it is. No, most of the time what we need to do is enact or obey or take action to do what we already know. That's how you grow. Growing is not through information. Growing is through application. So, yielding. One, see, we kind of got a little bit of a subset thing going on. So we have key to spiritual victory comes through the power of the Holy Spirit which comes through being controlled or filled with the Holy Spirit, which is done by yielding to the Holy Spirit. You do that by saturating your mind with God's Word. I'm not going to write it all out. And two, as you're doing that, and you've talked about prayer, you've told me that's really good because that's all helpful. It makes, In fact, that's one of the things you should pray before you read the Word of God. Have you ever done this? Lord God, right now I need you because you promised that the Holy Spirit would come and fill our minds with truth. It would explain truth to me. Pray that the Holy Spirit would unfold the truth for me that you want me to know right now. That's a great place to start. And then what happens ultimately, and this is where yielding comes to place. You've already said it, but someone said, I think, submit. 
We could submit or surrender. Saturating and surrendering. Because if you're not in the surrendering mode, guess what's happening? You will not have, you will not have victory. If you do not want to surrender yourself to God, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So now what, I want you to tell me now what you're going to surrender. Let's start off now. Let's go. What are you going to surrender? You're going to surrender, excuse me, what, what was it? My will. Self. And I'm going to maybe put those together, but it's good to say them either way. Because if you're willing to sell, surrender self, that's your will. That's the one that's in your face, right? It's just always out in front, one to take care of itself, okay? I'm not going to write these down, but you guys write them down. Number one was will or self. Number two, keep track of these for me because I'm not going to write them down. Go ahead. What else? What else do you surrender? And you say, well, that's it. Well, that's a really important part of it, but your time. Yield your time. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be in church 24-7, no. But you should be... Let me, here's another way we should, we should have done this. It's okay. Boom, just came to my mind. Um, if you start in chapter 8 of, of Romans, and it talks about your privilege, there's no condemnation to you. You go, go previously in Romans, and it lays all these privileges that we have. You have justification, just as if you hadn't sinned when you're in Christ. You have sanctification. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. If you're a growing Christian and you're kind of having some pains and a little hair and he's slicing a little off here and he's chipping this, making you prettier, Christian, a real pretty Christian, it's usually a little painful. You know what? God loves you too much to leave you that way. He's working on you. That's sanctification. It's a process. And then ultimately glorification. All of these are privileges. But then he goes into verses 5 through 8 of our text in chapter, chapter 8 of Romans and he describes for us the spirit without you. And let, me, let me say that differently. You without the spirit. Now, let, let's do it that way. Don't, don't write what I said first. Quickly, that'll, that'll forget. Let's evaporate that. You without the spirit. Now, who are you without the spirit? You're a non-Christian. You do not know Jesus Christ. You are dead in trespasses and sins. You have no life, and the flesh owns you. You are a slave to sin. You couldn't stop sinning if you tried. That's where you start. And then verses 9 through 11, which we've been through, is you have the Spirit. Oh, that's cool. See, that's right where you are. You have the Holy Spirit. But that's what we're working on now is verses 12 through 13. The Spirit has you. And that's what this is all about. Because it won't be until the Spirit has you that you will have victory. You have the Spirit but the Spirit wants you. You see the difference? It's a big deal. Now, somewhere on this I lost... Oh, I know. We were still going. Yeah. So your time. Where do you spend your time? See, one of the things that, that has happened as I've gotten older is God is more on my mind all the time. And this trip that I went, you know, I'm, I'm just driving and I don't know where to go next. I've got a bunch of clients and you know how I plan? Forward planning? My wife is laughing the loudest right now. We just make it up as we go. And so I'm thinking, now, this guy come to my mind. See, I wasn't planning to go to Joplin, Missouri. I wasn't planning to go there. Just popped in my mind. Oh, yeah, there's that guy that I haven't visited. Bought a bunch of bulls. I should call him. <laughs> right? And so, God, what do you think? What should, should All the time, all day. That is really cool. When, and I'm not saying it's because I'm doing it, but that's, that's when you're really surrendering everything that you are. It's part of that. And Caleb said time. So we have surrendering your will or yourself. 
Now, again, self in the sense it's really the overarching, but at the same time, the self and will. I want to leave it kind of together like that. And then time. What else do we surrender? Excuse me? Rights. Rights. That's right. I have the right to this and the right to that and the right. You know what? I'm going to surrender that. I have the right to be a servant for Jesus Christ. Well, that doesn't sound, that's exactly the way it needs to be. Okay, what else? What else do we surrender? What we think of is our, is our security. Security. Oh, that's really good. You know what? One of the things I was thinking about today, why do I do what I do? Why do you do what you do? A lot of times we do what we do because we we're, we're really like to do the same thing and we don't like to be pushed outside of a zone that's brand new to us. Something that's different, something that's new. We really don't like to do that. Most people aren't that way. Well, I would like you to leave, move to Cleveland. Why? I'm perfectly good here, right here. Right? <laughs> exactly. See, see, how many of you, are you ready to go? What if God said go to Cleveland? Why did I pick Cleveland? I don't have any idea. How many of you have been to Cleveland? Anybody been to Cleveland? Well, why aren't you going? Now, the answer is perfect. The answer is exactly right. Because God hasn't told me to. That's the perfect answer. Otherwise, now what if you I'd never go. God's going to take you there. That's why I never say I'm never going to North Dakota. <laughs> never say never, right? Never say never. But isn't that the right answer? No, I just picked Cleveland. I don't know why, but I just did. Cleveland. How many of you would go to Cleveland? And you'd say, well, God told me to. See, you see, what, what, have I, what have you just done? See, that's surrender, isn't it? God, you know best. Security. It's surprising how many things we cling to. In fact, I look at, um, in our world, I, just all the time, the sense that security has power over us. What we perceive as our security, something that we're either used to or we cling to, to be whatever it is that makes us who we are. It's amazing how much power that has over us. That's a, that's a really good one. Surrendering our security. Whatever that is. What else could we say? Now, there's some that are maybe going to overplay into that. I mean, now, now there's a couple others I'd like to name that would be under Paul's in the sense of surrendering your, your security, your perceived security. Now, my security needs to be in Jesus Christ, correct? And that's when we really, truly, the spiritual victory comes and when we are surrendering to the point that really the only thing that we have security in is Jesus Christ. Then it starts. Now, you talk about turning the power on, you better get ready for a launch because it's going to be big when you're there. What else do you surrender? I haven't heard it yet. So I'm, uh, we're not going to leave this place if we at least hear this one. Pressure's on. Your will. Okay, we, co- we covered that one. Self, we did that one. Yep. That's the one. He, well, now we've got to leave early. <laughs> finances. Your treasure. Your, your finances, your treasure. If you're not willing, you know what? If, if, ever, if God has everything else other than your money, now again, this, like I said, this kind of falls under what Paul said. That's a security then, isn't it? You, like that rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he says, what do I need to be, I think he said what to get eternal life, right? I think that's how he said it. It's good enough, close enough, right? Because he was looking for something he didn't have. And Jesus said, well, obey the law. And he's, oh, I've done that for my youth. I, I'm like, right, right, <laughs> sure, yeah, right. Okay, and then, and then Jesus said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. Oh. Right? What, did, what wasn't he willing to surrender? His treasure. It he was had more. A lot too, because he had a lot. That's right, because he had a lot and he was clinging to it. It was his security. See, we're kind of over our. But the, your treasure, what do you really treasure? 
you're not willing to surrender that, there will be no spiritual victories because that's where Satan will work. See, Satan will work on the areas you're not willing to surrender. That's where he will keep poking at you. He loves to go where you can't trust God. That's really true. Absolutely true. What else? I don't even know if I have any more. Let me look at my notes. Surrendering, what else? Your plans, yeah. Oh, there you go. That's easy, isn't it? How many have lived life on their, on their course, and then all of a sudden there's a twist? And God wants you to go do... What if God did say to one of you today, I want you to go to Cleveland? Maybe even East Cleveland. You're watching Cleveland Browns? <laughs> <laughs> My point exactly. No, no, kidding, I'm kidding. What would you do? That would probably not be according to your plan. <laughs> People are just shaking their heads right now, right? You know what? But unless we're willing to relinquish to surrender our plans, we're not going to have spiritual victory. Because that's right. Satan knows where his beachhead is. He loves to watch. See, he's a great understander of your your and mine thought process. He, he doesn't, he's not in our thoughts. I want to be, let's stop right there. Satan does not know what you're thinking. He's not the opposite of God. When I say what is the opposite of God, don't say Satan. Satan is a created being. God is omnipotent, infinite, always has been, always will be. There is no opposite to God. There is no opposite to God. But Satan is strong. He's powerful. He watches how you react because he knows what you fill your mind with and what you believe will come out in your behaviors. He will see your bents. He will see your weaknesses. He will see things that you value. He knows what you treasure. And that's the areas that he will work on. He does with me. We have to be very careful of those things that we're not willing to surrender because that's the place. Oftentimes that spiritual victories are thwarted in not giving him everything that makes us us. I had one more. Um, yep, and that would probably come under treasures as well, but that uh, material things. In fact, the other thing we might go along with that is the sense of talent. Are you, have you surrendered your talents, your abilities, your gifts? See, there again, it's amazing how we can cling to those. God does gift us. And oftentimes, you know what we do with gifts? We cling to them. We hold them. It could even be security or a place that this is our direction because this is what I want to do because this is what I love to do. This is my passion. There's a word we haven't used quite as much today. You know what? Unless you surrender your passion, you won't get spiritual victory. This is kind of engaging now, isn't it? This is kind of getting right there, maybe even under our skin, right? Larry, knock it off. Surrender. Surrender. Now, let's go back to, uh, we're running out of time here. We'll start to close up anyway. Let's go to Romans again. Now, if you're willing to do that, and again, it's not so much even, maybe you not be, you, you aren't necessarily willing, but when you pray and you get God's will lined up and your will gets lined up with it, and now you're looking for the key to spiritual victory, which will only come through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit can only be engaged or initiated when we're filled or controlled by the, with the Holy Spirit. And the only way that you're controlled by it is to yield to, to turn it over to the Holy Spirit. And the only way that you can be turning things over to the Holy Spirit is to saturate your mind with the, Holy, with the, with the Scriptures. And, the only, and along with that is surrendering everything that makes you you. 
And that wasn't too many you's. That was just exactly what it is. Whatever makes you you, that needs to be surrendered to him. And when you do that, the victory will be remarkable because then you will be free. There's two things you're going to be free from. You guys got this? Can I erase this? Okay. What are you going to be free from? We actually, this is a, a bit of a review, but I want to say it at the end because this is probably, if I was going to put down the key to spiritual victory that ends up in freedom, there are two things that you're free from. And these aren't the things you probably would really consider to be a spiritual victory. You're free from, and we've been saying this word all day long. Say, say again. You are free from self. You have literally, if you do it this way, guess what the power of the Holy Spirit has done? We think of the power of the Spirit, in other words, lifting us up and almost giving us more life. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You know what? The power of the Spirit, first of all, needs to put to death self and sin. Those are the two things that you are free from. You are free from self and sin. And, you, now, and again, not perfectly. You're obviously, once you're saved, once you've trusted Christ, the penalty of sin is, it's no longer there. It's done with. You're done. It's over. But the power of sin continues as long as you don't yield. Did you see that? You're either going to succumb to the power of the Holy Spirit or the power of sin. And that choice is, if you see my, my, my uh, um, outline is erased, but if you would just put in there the key to spiritual defeat is the power of sin. How do you get the power of sin? is to be controlled by self and all of the temptations and flesh. And how is that done? By yielding, not surrendering my will. You, you see, it's, it's totally the antithesis of that. And you know what? No longer are you free. You are really free from life as God intends it on that side. This one now, you're free from sin and self, and you're also free to live the way God wants you to live. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And do you guys remember what uh, we were going... Actually, we have two verses left we want to look at. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Because you're not only free from self and sin... Oh, 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 stop, stop, stop. Um, go back to Romans chapter 8. Because this fits in right now in verse 13. Because this is the key. We, did you see how long it took to really work through literally three verses? I see three words. Uh, don't repeat that. Don't, 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 don't come up with that. It was a long time, wasn't it, for that little bit. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 and start in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through, I'm going to add, the power of the Spirit, do, what's that word? Mortify. What does mortify mean? Put to death. Did you see it? The victory, the key to spiritual victory is through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Him, is the only way then that you can actually literally mortify or put to death self and sin, and you shall live. Now, go back to Romans chapter 6, verse 22. Start to close up. It says this, verse 22 of Romans chapter 6, But now, being made free from sin, that's what we talked about. Victory, a spiritual victory is to be free from sin. And become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Now, if that isn't rich, that is truly the epitome of spiritual victory that comes only, only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I would like to uh, look at two more passages of Scripture. You guys, any questions as we're moving along? 
And see how this fits in beautifully with Romans chapter 12? Well, it's just, I mean, giving yourself as a living sacrifice to God because it's his reasonable worship. All of these things just fit together. Now go to Romans, I'm sorry, where did I tell you to go? I didn't. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Paul is saying to the, to the, the saints at Colossae, he says this, which fits in again nicely. Because it's where your love, where is your affection at? Colossians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, in other words, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, then you're risen with Him. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, how do you seek them? Set your affections on things above, not things on the earth, for you are dead. To sin it is really the, the connotation. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Magnificent. Magnificent how it all comes together. Now, I did want to leave this passage. This is the one I want to leave with you in your minds as we leave here today. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Now, again, written by Paul. He's in prison as he wrote this to the Philippians. It's a tough situation for him. Nothing going well, if you will. And he lays out his life. I'm going to let you read verses 4 if tonight. Read, read that whole chapter 3. But I would like to just jump into verse 9. Actually, verse 8. Let's start there. Sorry, one more. Seven. There it is. Verse 7, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Now, I'm going to read from here through verse 14. This passage of Scripture, let's just literally, really focus on this this week. Maybe read it, like, every day. Let's do that. Let's do it. Morning and night, every day this week. Okay? You guys on? I'm going to check next week. Here we go. Philippians chapter 3, starting now at verse 7. This is an example of Paul to the Philippians. But what things were gained to me... Those I counted loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, our worthlessness, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now watch verse 10. Why? that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, in other words, as a result of his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, verse 12, not as though I had already attained. I want to stop here for a moment. Maybe there's something in your past. You just say, you know, I just get so bogged down and there's, I just can't see. You know what? Watch what he tells us right now. And remember Paul, if there was a past, if there was a guy with a past, it's Paul. He killed people that believed in Jesus. He was a rotten egg. He was a persecuting weasel, what he did. But watch now what he says in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were, ready per- either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is exactly what Paul is doing. Is really, If I had this outlined back on the board, he would be wanting us to press on to accomplish those things just the way God would want us to do it. And spiritual victory will be yours, not because you're cool, but because the Holy Spirit is strong enough, powerful enough, and you've allowed him to work in your life and through it to make you what he wants you to be.
right? Questions, comments? I have no idea where we're going to go next week, but that's why you guys can pray for me, right? You are going to pray for me. <laughs> he might even just pray for you, right? Okay. But this, this chapter 8, oh, you know, I know, I know, I know we're going to, we're not done. No, we're not done. That was just part four. Yeah, we've got to get there, don't we? Exactly. Thank you for reminding me. Next week, we're going to actually look at uh, the Holy Spirit that makes us adopted sons and daughters of God. That's a wonderful thing. We'll talk about that next week, probably verses um, 14 through 17. There we go. We already know. See, God answered that prayer. Look at you guys go, right? Anyway, any other questions or comments? So with that not on me being on the board, I'm going to see if you guys can just, because I want this ingrained in you. I want this ingrained in you. I can't tell you how many years of my 58 that I didn't have a clue of how this Holy Spirit really worked. It was just a word. It was part of God. It was a personality of God. I didn't really know. I thought it was all about Jesus. Yes, it is. Jesus paid all the price. But you know where the power's from? The Holy Spirit. So the key to spiritual victory is the power of the Holy Spirit. And how do you get the power of the Holy Spirit? By being filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. And how do you be controlled or filled by the Holy Spirit? You yield or turn it over to the Holy Spirit. And how do you turn it over to the Holy Spirit? By saturating your mind with the Word of God, surrendering your will, yourself, talents, time, treasures, etc., etc., etc. And there was one that was actually, you guys prefaced it. It really makes it all come together, and that is actually bathing that saturation and surrender with prayer. Because what it does is it starts to... You know what? You'll never know that you're going to need to go to Cleveland unless you pray about it. That thing will come in your mind. You say, why is that coming to my mind, God? What, what, what do you want me to know from that? What do you want me to do? Is there someone I need to pray about? Do you see what I'm saying? What's happening? You're, you're, getting, your line, you're getting your things lined up. And then, uh, let's see, was there one left? What did I forget? Oh, oh, and if you do that, spiritual victory is yours over the freedom from self and sin. And you're also free then to live unto God. Just that simple, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> That's my question. That's my question. And why is it so hard? You know, I think Paul would answer it the very same way he did in Romans chapter 7. We're in this, we're in this war. It's just constant. And that's why, oh, let, let's, let, here's another thing. Now, here's this little group here today of believers. You know what's imperative for us to do? We need to lift each other up in prayer. Because you know what's going to happen this week? Somewhere this week, whether it's me or it's you or someone else, someone's going to be in a situation that it's going to be easier to yield to the flesh than it is to yield to the Spirit. And when we lift each other up in prayer, that is answered. The power comes from the Holy Spirit to just engage you even further and stronger than you can imagine. Prayer from the body of believers is amazing. And I thank you for your prayers for me. And be in mind, you can, if you guys move around in seats too much, it messes my prayer deal up. Because I got this visual thing, right? I know where you sit. And in the middle of the night when I wake up, I just start going right down the row, right? And so if you move too much, you get prayed for twice. No, that's not how it works, right? It's not how it works. But I, I can't tell you enough that the power of prayer 
for us to be engaged together, that not only provides unity, it provides strength. And that fellowship that comes back and forth is absolutely amazing for us. Okay. If there's nothing else, let's close in prayer. Oh, the other thing, I, I would say this. Um, things to pray about. Um, I've got a couple of unspoken requests that I, in, the, in this last week people had called me. I can't, I can't really say what it's about or who it is, but God knows. Just lift them up in prayer. These are unspoken requests, very, very serious, and, and we'll be praying about them. But just lift, leave it that way. God knows exactly who we're talking about. And then uh, for our nation, it's a, there's, there's plenty of challenges right now. For the whole coronavirus outbreak, all of those things that are carrying on, all of the fear that's taking place, all of those things. May, and I would say this. I wish that our nation could fear sin as much as it fears coronavirus. And sin is much like, in fact, we may touch on that a little bit. I've got, I've, something has been gelling in my mind a little bit um, in how a virus works, literally just, a, just a, a virus, how it works, is very, very, very close to how sin works in our lives. We may just take a few minutes and just look at of, of how sinister sin is, and this is a perfect time to talk about. Everybody's mind's on a virus. The biggest virus that this, this world has ever known is sin, and I'm just hoping that as a nation, we grasp how important it is for us to be as, um, what's the right word, as concerned about sin as we are about any virus. Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for these that are gathered. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to share and to intimately be involved in the Word of God. As fathers, you've laid out for us the key to spiritual victory. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And fathers, we initiate that as we turn that key on, as we plug it in, Father, it becomes ours, not because we are the power, but because you've enacted it when we yield to you, when we surrender everything about us, when we saturate our minds with the word of God. Father, and we pray about that aligning our will with yours. Father, we just pray that you give direction and insight and wisdom to these that are gathered here today and those beyond, that you would allow their lives step by step as the journey continues. Father, you'll take them places that are unique to them, they will be talking to and being part of lives that only they, you have designed to be intimately involved with a message of the good news. Father, give them the understanding, give them strength, give them wisdom, and Father, encourage them. Father, be with all of us today as we think about the importance of giving, giving the application, the application to the Holy Spirit to accomplish what it is you want to be, and that is conforming us to the image of your Son. Thank you for making these things possible. It's not something that's impossible. Father, it's possible because of what you've designed and what you've made work. Father, we also pray for these unspoken requests. Father, very serious matters, ones that can't be said out loud in the same places and names. But, Father, you know them. You know exactly who's involved. And I would ask that you would lift them up, that you would support them, supply for them, protect them, guide them. And Father, we think of our nation. We think of the, the struggles of this, uh, this pandemic, Father, that's overflowing the world. But Father, you are still completely in control. Nothing phases you, Father. Thank you for being an eternal God. Thank you for being beyond the sense of what we know as being physical life or death. That's what makes God so amazing. We're protected eternally for what Jesus Christ accomplished, regardless of what happens on earth. Father, use us in manners that would be pleasing to you and allow us to be 
surrendering in all that we have, all that we are, and all that we will ever be. And trust you with the results. We praise your name. We lift, it, lift you on high, honoring and thanking you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.